Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to season two, episode 14 of the Lost in the Shuffle tap dance podcast brought to you by itaponline.com. My name is Hilary Marie. I am your host, and I'm here to support you in your tap dance journey by sharing with you my top tap dance tips and tricks so that you can become the best tap dancer or tap teacher that you can B. If you are a longtime listener, then welcome back. I have a favor to ask of you. If you have not done so already, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and written review sharing what you love most about the Lost in the Shuffle Tap Dance podcast. This will help other passionate tap dancers just like you learn more about the podcast so that they can join in on the fun. Now, if you are a new listener, then welcome. Make sure you subscribe so you can get notified every time a new episode goes live. Last week's episode was all about knowing when you're ready to start teaching and how to get the ball rolling. In this week's episode, I'm going to stray from my typical Lost in the Shuffle tap dance podcast path over here, and I'm going to share a fun story with you about the time that I met Oprah. Now you might be wondering, what does this have anything to do with tap dance? And I assure you, it has everything to do with tap dance. So my mentor, Harold Cromer, was doing a performance for my other mentor, Karen Calloway Williams. Harold was one half of the world-famous vaudeville duo Stump and Stumpy, sharing the bill with the likes of Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra and more. And Karen Calloway Williams is the first, and I think to date, the only African-American female tap dancer to be featured in Riverdance. So I was maybe 16 years old, and we were down in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey, so that Harold could be a part of this performance called Rhythms for Ruby, which was a fundraiser for a dear friend of Karen's. I was too young to drive, so my parents drove, and we picked Harold up at his New York City apartment and made our way to South Jersey, enjoying the drive along the way as Harold told us stories of different buildings that we drove by that used to be theaters or clubs or bus stops, and, you know, this guy's sense of direction and his memory for events was always amazing, better than anyone that I know to this day. And the stories that he would tell on these drives were absolutely amazing. So this weekend that I'm about to tell you about is special for two reasons. One, it was the first time that I ever performed with Harold. And two, we got to meet Oprah, and it's a pretty funny story. <laughs> so we went down to the theater for tech rehearsal, and that was so Harold could rehearse with the band. He had his charts, and charts are printed sheet music for the band. He also had his orange juice, because I'm pretty sure Harold was a diabetic who self-medicated with orange juice and Hall's cough drops. And, you know, we had everything organized precisely. So we get to the theater, we head backstage, and Savion Glover is in the dressing room. And of course, Harold freaks out because he did not like sharing a dressing room with anybody. Anybody. So we take his charts for his signature piece, Mr. Bojangles, up to the band, and Harold tells them, don't you steal my charts now, because, you know, Harold always thought somebody was going to steal these charts because back in the day, these charts were expensive to get written up. And this was your act. This was your thing. And you didn't want your act stolen by anybody. And you certainly didn't want your charts stolen. So Harold 
during a tech rehearsal or dress rehearsal, he would just talk through the performance. He wouldn't actually do the whole thing. He wouldn't really run through it. Um, he didn't like doing that. He always cautioned me against over-rehearsing a piece, saying that it would squeeze the life out of the piece. And he would say, you gotta let it live because that's life. Life lives. <laughs> so he wraps up his rehearsal and I take his charts back from the band he drinks some of his orange juice, and then we leave the theater. And that's when we see that there's a big tent outside and a barbecue. And Harold wants to check it out, so we walk over ever so slowly. Because keep in mind, at this point, Harold is in his late 80s, and walking anywhere was a slow, slow shuffle. And it turns out that Oprah is there donating a lot of money for a very big fundraiser that is unrelated to the show that we are doing. And Harold looks at me and he says, Hillary, I've never met Miss Oprah before, but I want to meet her. And I'm pretty sure I broke out into a cold sweat right then and there. You know, my mentor just told me that he wanted to meet Oprah freaking Winfrey. And as his assistant, protege, friend, I felt that it was my job to make it happen. Being the overly serious teenager that I was at the time, I really took his request to heart. And I started strategizing how in the hell I was going to get Harold the opportunity to meet Oprah Winfrey. Meanwhile, we eat some barbecue. Now, when Oprah's finished, her car picks her up and parks just a couple blocks down and around the corner near an open field in front of a church. And I thought, okay, this is going to be our only chance. And I said, Harold, let's go. Walk fast. And again, walking fast was not his thing. It was definitely more of a rapidly small shuffle and scoot of the feet. But Harold did not ask any questions. He didn't say, where are we going? Why? What are we doing? He just went with it. And I'm pretty sure this is a difference of generation. You know, he didn't really know what I was up to, but that's okay. Do first and ask questions later. Now, Oprah had all sorts of security. She had security in the car, security right outside the car, security down the street from the car, security cars for the security cars. There was security everywhere. And we just walked on by because no one suspected a thing. Here was Harold, almost 90 years old, wearing a captain's hat. He always wore a captain's hat. And he had his American Dance Machine bomber jacket on, walking hand in hand with little teenage Hillary. You know, people would always stare at us when we walked together, but they never suspected that we had a grand master plan of sorts. <laughs> so we kept walking on by, security after security, and we're getting closer to Oprah's car, maybe about 30 feet and Harold's out of breath and he's, you know, taking a breather. And I can see one of the barbecue pit masters is walking over to Oprah's car with a huge tray of food. And she rolls down her window to accept the tray of food and then rolls it back up. And I looked at Harold and I said, it's time to go. Let's move it. And we walked as if we were going to walk past the car and then did a, a sharp, you know, skirt left turn and landed right in front of her, in front of the car security. And this man stared at us like, you know, he, he didn't say anything, but he just looked us up and down and raised an eyebrow as if to say, who the hell are you? <laughs> and I looked this man square in the face 
And I said, this is my mentor, Harold Cromer. He's a world-famous tap dancer and was a part of the vaudeville act Stump and Stumpy, and he would really like the chance to say hello to Miss Oprah. And on cue, Harold just tipped his captain's hat. <laughs> and this guy looked at us like we were crazy, but I think his, curi- his curiosity got to him. So he knocked twice on Oprah's car window, and she rolled it down, and I said the same thing. I said, you know, Miss Oprah, this is my mentor, Harold Cromer. He's a world-famous tap dancer. And then Harold bumped me over and put his hands on the windowsill of the car, which was quite the reach because it was a ginormous, like, souped-out Escalade, and Harold was a very short man, so, you know, he's on his tippy toes he's got his fingers wrapped around this you know this car door window and he peeks over the car windowsill and he starts yelling (laughs) he starts yelling to oprah harold cromer stump and stumpy i'm harold cromer from the act stump and stumpy i'm a song and dance man you see from new york all the way to germany and (laughs) i don't know why he was yelling because he was about two feet from oprah's face but bless oprah's heart because she just looked the two of us up and down smiled and gave a good small laugh and said it's nice to meet you mr cromer and then oprah's security said all right that's it you know he removed harold's fingers from the window gently and kindly so they could roll the window back up and harold screamed thank you so much miss oprah And all Harold could talk about for months was about how we met Miss Oprah that day. So fast forward to the next day, and it's time for Harold to perform. We were packing up to leave the hotel, and he looked at me and said, You got shoes? And I said, Yes. And he said, You got a dress? And I said, Yes. Because Lord knows that between Harold Cromer and Karen Calloway-Williams and Deborah Mitchell, they taught me to always pack a costume even if it wasn't your gig, (laughs) because you never know, might become your gig real quick. And he said, all right, I want you to get dressed and be ready. Now, unlike Harold, I had questions. Ready for what? What are we doing? Am I dancing? What am I dancing to? When? With who? But I kept it cool, kept my questions to myself, because do first, ask questions later. So we get to the theater, and I get dressed. It's about 30 minutes to curtain, and I still have no idea what is going on. I'm freaking out on the inside. Now, the show has started, and I am still clueless. Finally, it's time for intermission, and Harold could definitely see that this was eating me alive, and he says, you'll know when to come out. And I thought to myself, like hell I will. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Again, teenage Hillary. I was a kid. I was, wasn't even old enough to drive. I had no idea what was going on. And so Harold went on to do his signature act on Broadway where he shares his life story about learning to tap dance on roller skates in the five points and winning a grand prize bag of groceries for his family and then eventually touring the world. And then he says, and then... There was one day where I met a girl. She was just like Shirley Temple. And I thought to myself, Q. (laughs) And I walk on stage as if I were a projection of a film, a memory playing right in front of the audience. I did a quick, you know, 30-second shuffle. I exited stage left, and then Harold transitioned into his tear-jerking performance of Mr. Bojangles. At the end of the show, I was... I was awestruck. I was beside myself, you know, internally, because it was such a kind thing for Harold to do. 
You never think to yourself that you're going to share the stage with a mentor like that, with a legend like that. You never sit there and think to yourself, all right, it's going to be my turn soon. I just, I never thought like that. It wasn't something that I ever thought would be possible or that it would happen because I had so much love and respect for this amazing legend within the dance community. And for him to have shared the stage with me like that, and at such a young age, and this wasn't something that he did, you know, it's not like he was the type of person who pulled tap dancers up on stage with him like that. You know, he had his act, he had his thing, and he didn't owe me anything in the world. He did not owe it to me as his assistant, as a protege, as a friend, as a, you know, he, he didn't owe that to me at all, but he did that. And that was the first time. And he did it a number of times after that. And every single time I never took it for granted and it just meant the whole entire world to me. So that is the story of the day that I met Oprah and the first time I ever performed with my mentor, the song and dance man legend himself, Dr. Harold Stumpy Cromer. Now, I always wonder if I ever get a chance to meet Oprah again, I really want to ask her if she remembers our crazy encounter because it was definitely a bit memorable. You know, Harold, Harold was a very memorable character. So that is it for today's episode, you guys. Make sure to join me in next week's episode where I will be discussing the difference between teaching kids versus teaching adults, which is a super popular topic in my ITAP Q&A chats with ITAP members. Until then, I'm wishing you all the best, and I look forward to sharing shuffles with you very soon in the ITAP Online Member Center. Hey, hey, real quick, if you want more free tap dance tips and tricks, go to itaponlinecommunity.com to join our free itaponline community Facebook group. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at itaponline and follow me on Instagram at Hillary Marie Tap, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-M-A-R-I-E-T-A-P. Now, if you're ready to achieve your tap dance goals, whatever those may be, and you want access to my best tap dance content, then head over to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to everything that the ITAP Online Member Center has to offer. That is two free weeks of live Zoom classes, Q&A chats, Zoom class replays, all of my courses, which include Tap Dance 101, Historical Choreo, Improve Your Improv, Fast Feet and Phrasing, Rhythm Training for Tap Dancers, and more, and direct access to me for mentorship, guidance, and feedback. Be sure to go to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to the ITAP Online Member Center, and you'll have instant access to my best tap dance tips and tricks.